Iowa everywhere. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live from the Channel Seed Studios. Channel Seed Studios. This is Jared and Jabo and Iowa, Iowa everywhere. Where Jared Stansberry, Jordan Bohannon, Jordan Bohannon, together on Iowa everywhere. Yo, welcome into the podcast. It's uh, Wednesday morning. What's up, Jabo? What's going on, man? What's up, brother? I'm doing well. It's getting warmer out. Feeling great. It is getting warmer out. Uh, it was like 75 degrees yesterday, and now it's seven. It's uh, 33 right now in central Iowa. We're just going back and forth between it being hot and it being cold. I, th- I think I think uh, next week, though, I'm really excited. Yeah, 70s, I think, most of the week. It's going to be absolutely glorious. And then I think it, it uh, all culminates with a nice big thunderstorm again. That's just mm-hmm. how we're in a cycle of it gets warm, and then it storms, and then it gets cold again. Are we officially in the old era, Jared, where all my all my friends are doing it now? There's a severe thunderstorm warning, there's a tornado warning, and we're all going outside taking videos of it and sending to each other. Are we officially old? Uh, I've been doing that for a long time. Uh, so I think that I have long since been officially old, if that's, if that's the, the barrier. The first time I ever went viral on Twitter was because I tweeted something like that. Really? Yeah. So that was your first, I, was, I'm, I'm a Chris Williams type age right now. Yeah. Yeah. That was my first, I'm a, I'm Chris Williams type of moment. Yeah. That, that, that's close. That's, that's close to like end of it all. Like that, that's out, like that's really far down the line. It's like beating. Yeah. It's like in a video game, you know, you get to the second, it's like the second to last boss battle, you know, <laughs> have a tweet go viral. It's <laughs> all it takes it's all it takes and then uh have a tweet go viral next step make bank that's yep. it that's Absolutely. that's how it goes uh all right we got plenty to talk about on today's podcast of course have the national championship game for monday night uconn wins their fifth national championship since 1999 uh we'll talk about the uh kind of the fallout from the women's national national championship game which has been one of the stupidest conversations that I've seen people have on the internet over the last several days. Uh, talk a little bit about the Masters. I'm sure we'll find some other random things to to come up with here. Uh, Iowa falls in the national championship game to LSU, but the dominant story, the two dominant stories from the game, uh, the officiating was horrendous uh, all the way around, and then uh, Angel Reese with the trash talk towards the end of the game directed at Kalen Clark. Uh, that has set the internet on fire in a lot of different ways has been one of the dominant sports stories over the last 48 hours. What, what was your reaction to, uh, all of it? Well, you know, I will love to start with the refs. Yeah. That honestly, I haven't lost watched a lot of women's basketball this season. That honestly will top it all of games, including men's basketball. The worst officiated game might be in the history 
of college sports. I've never seen more touch fouls called. I've never seen more bizarre fouls called in general than that game. But other than that, I thought it was a, I mean, ratings wise, dude, I mean, they had 10 million viewers, I think was the average amount of viewers. Mm -hmm. Talking about really making women's basketball well known on the map now. Like, you gotta, you gotta give a lot of credit for the, how, how they've handled. You know, Kaylin Clark being a superstar. I think they've done – I think the media has done everything possible, obviously, to push the narrative of how great of a player Kaylin Clark is and a, a generational player because she is. Um, so I, I do want to give the props to media for doing that because she deserves all the media. I, anyone that's watched her knows it's well-deserving. Um, but, I mean, LSU too, man, they, they are a fun team to watch too. I was I, – I, I enjoyed watching the women's basketball game more than – the men's championship game and mm -hmm. i never thought honestly i would ever say that i mean you knew it was a well-played game when both teams scored i mean i think lsu scored like 95 points you mm -hmm. know like both teams were scoring points even with as bad as the officiating was there were still a lot of points being scored so it just is uh the officiating was just frustrating because it broke up the rhythm of the game a lot and obviously it put the best players on the bench which is what my biggest issue with it is there, yeah. If there's ever a time to not have the best players on the bench because of foul trouble, it's probably the fucking national championship game. Right. And everyone's watching because of yeah, the best who players. Who was playing, exactly. So yeah. that, that, was, that, was, that was really disappointing. But I read, a, I read a thing that the guy who used to be the, the men's coordinator of official, officials, like, you know that the officiating was bad when, the, when officials have turned on each other. Like when you start getting comments from other people who work in officiating and they're like, yeah, the officiating in that game was horrible. And that's what basically this guy said. And he went in, he said that when he used to be the men's coordinator of officials, when he would go in for the final four in the national championship game, he would go into the officials locker room and remind them how important it is that the star players play in the game. Mm. That feels like something that should happen for every single game like that. Like it's like, Hey, this is a big game. This is a big moment. We can't let that get the best of us. And we can't start being stupid, taking the best players out of the game. You know, I, I love the meme on Twitter that it's been going viral the past couple of weeks for men's games and women's games there. It's the guy who's pointing the mirror. He's like, make go in there and make this all about yourself. That has to be the most perfect meme for exactly what every official, especially Courtney Green and Paul Zell. Mm -hmm. do when they step foot on every court yeah and then it was uh it it was doubled up with the fact that the officiating was horrible in uh in the florida atlanta game yep on saturday uh which i knew when i think that san diego state had seven fouls and florida atlantic had one as florida atlantic built up their the built up their lead i looked at my roommate i was like well here we go this yep. is how it flips. It was the same thing that happened in the Creighton game, like the same exact thing. And all of a sudden you look up at the, at the score bug the next time to look and see what the fouls are. And it's seven to six or something like that. And you're like, yep. All of a sudden San Diego stays right back in the game. That's how exactly how it goes. It's crazy how you can actually predict to what foul, what's about to be called. Like if you've watched basketball enough at, at, at this level and, have seen it occur you can you can seriously predict when there's going to be a swing in fouls like how why is that a thing is it's ridiculous and it's it's frustrating because it ruins the flow of the game of basketball at the end of the day i mean the only way that i think that they could get 
that you fix it is that if some of these teams that want to play the way that a San Diego State does, you know, wants to play a way that an Iowa State does in, in uh, when they're playing, like you have to just call every foul. You know, it, there has to come a point where an officiating crew says, we're going to call everything. And I don't care if that means that you get called for 40 fouls tonight, you're going to get called for everything. And we're going to do it every single game. Other, until then, why would teams stop? Because the officiating is always going to adjust to them by the time that the game is over. And then by the time the game is over, you've had an opportunity to be able to win the game. You know, there's just too big of a difference. I mean, that's a, that's a great point. We talked about earlier in the year when Iowa and Iowa State play, like it was going to be greatly impacted on how they were going to call the game. And they called a lot of touch fouls in Iowa State, and that greatly affected an advantage for Iowa. So, there, at the end of the day, there has to be at some point we have to get to the instance where everything is called the exact way throughout yeah. uniformity. Yeah, it like how it is in yeah how it is in the NBA. There's like it's a uniform game. It doesn't matter who the officials are on a given night. Yeah, I'm sure there are some officials that are better than others, and I think the guys will beef with others because more from like an ego standpoint probably than from the other things, and that's like. But at the end of the day, what is getting called is the same. And how it's going to be called is the same every single game. Yeah. it's it's And it's long overdue, too, for how fast not only men's basketball has gone, like exposure-wise, media, right, all, all down the road, how much money is involved in the game now. On top of women's basketball now, we're long overdue for uniformity with calls in, in games. And it's damaging. It's ruining it. That's why I think it was so hard to watch this NCAA tournament. I, I struggled to watch some of these games this year because of how poorly officiated these games have been. All right. Now to the other side of this conversation, the trash talk at the end of the game. I imagine that you will probably come at this from a pretty similar standpoint uh, to where I do. I thought that the outrage over it was kind of was, was really stupid because it was what Angel Reese did weird I think that those are two different conversations. I think to follow someone around the floor, point at your ring finger, that kind of thing, that's weird, that's over the top, that's excessive. At the end of the day, though, I don't think that anyone should be offended by that. Anyone should be like, oh, that's classless, any of those kinds of things. Because when you want to compete and you want to compete at a high level, you get people that are intense, man, and people that are going to, when they beat you, they're going to let you know about it. And Caitlin Clark is one of those people that when she beats you, she's going to let you know about it. So no one can be offended then when they turn around and someone does the same thing to them. Even again, if it might've been over the top and a little bit weird, it doesn't change the fact that it's not anything more than what has ever been happening before. Yeah. I'm honestly, I guess, first off, I'm ashamed that was the headline after the game because it is not something that should have been talked about. And it's something that ruined what should have been talked about is how great that game was and how great the players were on the court. And you're right, Jared. I, I'm coming from an aspect where I, I obviously I played at that level. I know what it's like. People talking shit to you. I've talked my fair shit amount of shit throughout college. I mean, if you want to, I mean, you if you want to respect my opinion or not, Iowa fans or Iowa State fans. I mean, I left my shoes on Iowa State court, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was in action. I was talking shit. I was like letting everyone know I, we won the game, and I had to go back there. Right, which you didn't know at the time. Yeah, and obviously I didn't know at the time when I left my shoes. I had to go back there and face all the people I talk shit to. Right, I had I had everyone chanting "fuck Bohannon" for forty minutes in the game, 
And if you listen to me in the press conference, I said the same. I was like, that's, that's what it is. I have to be able to deal with it. I mean, that, that's the way of the game. I talk my shit. You guys did yours. And that's the same instance here. I don't, I think, I think you made a great point. There's two different arguments here. There, there was a thought like how weird it was and was it deserving or was there a problem with it? I don't think there was any problem with it. Kaylin even said it too. The fact that they just won the national title and she's talking shit. She's they're excited. They won. I don't, I don't see any issue with that. Kaylin did her fair share this year. I respect the hell Kaylin. I respect the hell the uh, angel girl with LSU. There should have, that should not have been something that was talked about as much as it was. Yeah. It just is. It, uh, it's unfortunate because unfortunate because women's basketball deserves better discourse than that. Like, I feel like it's way too hard. People try way too hard to make it like a soap opera. They don't know how to talk about ball just in general. So then they feel weird that they're like talking about women and not men. And it just, and it makes it like this weird discourse of everybody fighting over nothing because it's like, they don't just don't know how to talk about women's basketball. Just talk about ball, man. It's the same thing. And it's good basketball. That's why it deserves more because it is genuinely good basketball to watch and to talk about and it doesn't the conversation around it doesn't always have to be this stupid shit that's like happening in the side you know there's more to it than that it's actual good basketball we can analyze it like it's actual good basketball and i think that's what we've touched on this a lot too as um us two on the show especially in the year about just reporters in general and how cringe some of these guys are and how weird they are and how they report the game ESPN, it falls in that line, especially with this what they were talking about after this game with the controversy of her talking shit to Kaylin. And it turned into a whole political and race debate, and everyone was talking about ESPN, how they always do. And, man, we are just trying to watch this game. We're trying to appreciate Kaylin and Angel and all these phenomenal players that were on the court, and you guys are just ruining it. Like, it ruined, it ruined the moment for LSU – I think it ruined the moment for Iowa for the magical run they had to get to the national championship. That's if that was the main story that it, which it was, that is a shame of how it was handled by all the reporters across the board, especially ESPN. I thought it was a real shame how they did that. Yeah. it just is. That's where it comes into a, a conversation too. Like it, the officiating, the game deserves better officiating than that. It was officiated like a game that people thought, you know, people who are the higher ups thought nobody cared about. You know, and which is is doing it a disservice. It does the entire sport a disservice to be treated that way. And that's where that's why I had an issue with the officiating. That's why I had an issue with that conversation afterwards, because the game and the sport are too good to be treated like that. You know, and and it's constant. It, it never seems to stop that it can't be about what's going on on the side. And it just we need smarter people talking about these things that know that understand the sport, that understand ball and they can you know, convey that like, this isn't controversial, you know? And yeah. that was where I, I felt it was disappointing. Cause you see people who do you feel like should know better uh, to know that this, these things are not a big deal, but yet they are, are still being made into one. I mean, there could have been so many other big stories that could have been the headline after that game. Officiating would have been fine because that would have expanded the game more to be more beneficial next year and the years before that but they decided to use to do that mm -hmm. to single out a girl that has won a national title and talking shit to a player that did enough talking shit throughout the year especially in, in the ncaa tournament i mean what are we doing it's, it's it's embarrassing honestly it's embarrassing how they handle it and i think 
that's why people find it so hard to, I, I mean, women's basketball, you think about, I'll say this about men's basketball and men's sports, the amount of people and guys that talk shit in those sports that are men, like it is just, we'll just watch an NBA game. It happens every mm-hmm. single play. And, just, and just because people on TV can't see it happening doesn't mean that it's not happening. Yeah, it yeah. happens all over the place, especially college basketball. Half that, half that stuff isn't televised. Like, you don't see half the stuff that goes on. I promise you, like, that should have not have even been talked about what happened after the game. Yeah, yeah. It's just stupid, dude. Just a stupid situation. And it, and it became bigger than the game and because of that, which is what really stinks. Yeah. And it, it should have been about, you know, Jasmine Carson comes off the bench, knocks down, what, five three-pointers, six three-pointers, something like yeah. that, uh, was absolutely incredible. You know, the way that LSU just in general, like, they had to be able to knock down shots if they were going to win the game. Iowa had shown against South Carolina that they were going to dare people to be able to knock down shots from the outside, you know, and LSU was able to do it. That's why they win. And yeah. that's what the conversation should have been, not, you know, anything like that. I did think it was funny how the LSU players felt uh, said they felt disrespected by the way that they had guarded South Carolina. I thought that that, that was very much to me. You could tell Kim Mulkey had been hammering that into their oh, heads yeah. in the days prior to the game. It's about like, uh, it's about like Kirby smart telling the Georgia football team that people said they were going to go five and seven, which is like the dumbest shit that anybody had ever heard that it was absolutely not true. But a coach had a way of being able to work it into there and be like, you know, this is disrespectful to you too, right? Yeah. Anyone that's been playing uh, any sport in their entire life know exactly why those players are saying that on the press conference. Yeah. You're exactly right. The coach was hammering that, saying how disrespected you should feel because of how they made another team feel. <laughs> it's crazy. Is if they if they try to do this to you, you got to tell them or show them why you shouldn't be doing it. You know, <laughs> show them why you shouldn't be doing it. It's just low key though. When Caitlin did wave off the uh, the South Carolina player that was out of the three point line that was stated at that when she waved her up, that was disrespectful as fuck. Like I will not lie, that was high level disrespect right there. I respect the level of disrespect. And imagine that girl. I forgot the point guard's name on South Carolina, but imagine that girl mentally what she's thinking. Like you could just tell. Mm-hmm. Like oh my gosh, I am so open. I can't shoot the ball. Imagine right. saying that to yourself. I'm so open. I can't shoot the ball. Yeah, yeah, that's it's tough. It, yeah, you just start you psych someone out, you know, <laughs> you kid somebody's head a little bit when they're like, "Oh man, am I really this bad that you have to guard <laughs> me like this?" And it worked. It worked. That's we got to give Iowa credit. Like that was a a fantastic game plan, and it worked to perfection. Um, all right, let's flip things over to the men's side. UConn rolls to uh, rolls to a title with a uh, by beating San Diego State. I thought San Diego state was going to get, we we're going to get the officiating flip again about midway through the second half. And they were going to start to, to really threaten them. But, uh, UConn was just too damn good, man. That was a, a really, really good basketball team. What, uh, what do you think of the Huskies winning the title? I think UConn, this 2023 UConn team will go down as one of the most, one of the best teams ever to come through the NCAA tournament. And I don't know if that's because of how bad teams were this year in college basketball, or how good they were, which you can you can take that both ways. You can say, oh, that was a shame that UConn couldn't have better games. Like, that would have been fun to watch. Or, man, I wish – I don't know. Just, I just think the field in general was very down, in my opinion. And I think that's why UConn had such 
I mean, they won plus, was it plus fifteen mm-hmm. differential in their points against teams opposing teams in the NCAA tournament. I mean, that's that's unheard of. That never happens. Yeah, yeah. I think it was uh, the field felt more uh, diluted. Is how I think I would yeah. put it. Not. I don't know if it was like down. It just it just felt like the teams were more evenly spread out. Where it's just there's nobody really really good. But then UConn turned out to be the great team. You know. Yeah. And our, our theory of we talked about that before the tournament started. Our theory of like the two two seed through the fifteen seed doesn't matter. And I think that this year kind of brought it to a whole nother level, right? Like a Florida Atlantic in the final four. 16 seed being another one seed you just go down the line of all these teams that it was so evenly matched i think it was more evenly matched round first and second round than it ever has been even third round just because of you know how open the field was uh but uconn it was it was pretty obvious you you kind of told you kind of saw uconn play the first two games in the tournament you're like okay they're going back to what they were like at the beginning of the year like mm-hmm. if they played like that no one was going to come close to them yeah, and when you just had those two bigs who could shut down the paint the way that Sonogo and clean and Klingon and could. Like Sonogo is so tough offensively, but then you bring in Klingon off the bench and he is just that guy's just a force defensively. How quick he is around the paint in addition to being a massive guy. Like that's the kind of guy that you could see in four years having being seven foot two and having an NBA future where it's like an ED. I don't know if Zach Eady could will play in the NBA because I yeah. just don't know if he has that quickness that you need to be able to guard the paint, you know. And the guy didn't need all NCAA tournament. Can we give the guy an award? Holy shit. Unbelievable. <laughs> He's sixth man of the tournament. Oh my gosh. He really wasn't on the all tournament team. I, I didn't see I didn't see the the all tournament teams or MVPs. I don't even know who won the awards. Yeah, the uh I know most outstanding player was Snowgo, which I thought was was probably good. Jordan yeah. Hawkins was incredible though. Yeah. When when he was out, you know, he was Man, incredible, was, especially in that championship game. I wouldn't be surprised. He I mean he's a I don't know what his draft stock is like. I haven't looked at any of the boards or anything, but he's he's got the ability to be a, a big time NBA player, I think. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. yeah. He reminds me of like a less ball dominant uh Jordan Poole, how quick he can shoot the ball. Yeah. He's just like, he's got a smooth, smooth release. Everything flows so great when he shoots the ball and he's not selfish. Like that's, that's exactly what NBA teams are looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That guy is going to play professional basketball for a really long time. Um, all right. Well, staying on the men's side, the Yukon Huskies will enter next year as the favorites to be, well, I guess they are right now the favorites to be the preseason number one team in the country. This is from the, uh, I've got a bunch of, way too early top 25s everybody's favorite thing the way too early top 25 uh uconn is number one on espn's that's from jeff borzello they're number one on a, a couple other ones marquette's number one uh in a few and then duke is number one as well uconn will bring back uh they'll bring back sonogo uh potentially they're expected to bring back alex caravan uh Klingon's only a freshman but he could potentially go pro, uh, go pro i think um, and then Jordan Hawkins and Andre Jackson will both probably be gone. It looks like Hawkins is right now a projected lottery pick. So they're going to have to replace some guys. But when you've got Sonogo uh, in the middle, that's a pretty good baseline starting point of like, yeah, we're going to have a good chance to be able to repeat with this guy around us. Yeah, it kind of seems him. Yeah, it kind of seems too, just like the recruits and who they had on this team and obviously their coach, Hurley. They, they brought UConn back to being a blue blood and competing for national titles year in, year out. I don't see them 
I mean, man, the next with, – with Hurley as a coach, I don't see them being out of the top 25 for the next decade, honestly, if he ends up staying there for, for a long time like I'd assume he would. Yeah, that program is going to be a monster. Um, the, the consensus kind of top five right now is UConn, Marquette, Purdue, Duke. Miami sprinkled in here a little bit. UCLA sprinkled in here a little bit. And then, shockingly, the Florida Atlantic Owls checking in right around number five in nearly all of these rankings. The Owls return all five of their starters from their Final Four team. They lose one guy out of the rotation. Man, Florida Atlantic might be in for a dream year. They're going into the American Athletic Conference next year, stepping up from the Sun Belt. Man, this is it's a good time to be an Owl, is all I'm saying. It's a great time to be an Owl fan. I might... I might uh... I might become part of the fandom there. I think I think I might I might maybe maybe make a game over there. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Michigan State has a chance to be really good uh, again next year. AJ Hogard and Jade Nakins are both expected to return. Tyson Walker could return. He has another year of, year of eligibility if he wants to. And then uh, Sissoko will be back as well. And then they've got a pretty good recruiting class. I think they have their one of their better recruiting classes they've had in the last 10 years. So Michigan State will be a team to watch. I saw the other day that Kansas had plus 2,500 odds to win the national championship last next year, which has to be the longest odds that Kansas has had to win the title going into a season in a really, really long time. Uh, but they're right around the top 10, Arizona, Houston, uh, Creighton, uh, Alabama still in the top 10, Arkansas, Colorado was one that I saw is in the top 15 kind of randomly. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not sure they're only yeah. in ESPN and they're 13th. No, no, it, it's the real deal. They've got, uh, here's what Jeff Borzello wrote. We are all the way in on the Buffs' bandwagon. They would have been a top 25 team even before Sunday's commitment from TCU transfer Eddie Lampkin Jr. KJ Simpson and Tristan De Silva, if both return, give Tad Boyle two all Pac-12 players to lead the way. And he's adding potential lottery pick Cody Williams, a top 10 recruit. There's a slew of role players also heading back to Boulder. The Buffaloes are coming. So Buffalo's got some money over there. They must. They got a top 10 recruit. When's the last time you think they got a top 10 recruit at the University of Colorado? Never. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think that's ever happened. Colorado basketball recruiting. I want to know. I mean, he. I would imagine he is their highest rated recruiting program history. Uh, all right. All-time recruits. Yes, he is number one. He is the first five-star recruit in Colorado's modern history going back to like 1999. Good for Colorado. This is what makes NIL so great. We got teams just creeping in the top 25. I wonder what it is about Colorado that this guy was so sold on. Hmm. It's a McDonald's All-American going to the University of Colorado. I don't know. I mean, Boulder is a pretty cool city. Maybe Coach Prime was in there giving him the recruiting pitch. Oh, Maybe. He's like, you'll play at this fucking school. Do you think that he knows that Coach Prime's not the basketball coach? Not yet. When he steps on campus, he will. <laughs> He'll realize, oh, wait, I didn't realize I wasn't playing football. Uh, <laughs> Miami is 14 on ESPNs. Purdue all the way down at 15. Oh. But that says it's assuming that Zach Eady doesn't return. Why Why would Zach Eady not return? Um, I did see Zach Eady was projected as a first-rounder. Is he? That might have, that might have changed. I think that was the middle of the year, but 
I don't imagine him getting a lot of playing time in the NBA right now. I mean, no. he would be smart to come back. Right. Well, I would think he would be able to make more money if he came back. I, I don't know. Or wait, he he's from Canada, isn't he? Yeah. So he can't make money. No, he's a foreigner. We I never the, thought about we need, that. We need the Department of Defense to make their proclamation that, that then we can get the the international players can get their money. I forgot about that. He is a wow. He's yeah. Man, that sucks. Who would have ever thought there'd be a day when college athletics was waiting on the Department of Defense? Well, we're waiting on a lot of things. Aren't we all waiting on for the that one of specific thing? We're waiting on the Department of Defense. Aren't we all waiting on the Department of Defense though? I guess on on some level, just yeah. Just staying alive. Yeah. Well, true. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure the University of Nebraska hopes that that they can get that thing done so that uh, Kisei Tomonaga can come back for another year. Otherwise, he's going to go to Japan and get his bag over in Japan. Uh, they need to. I the world needs a Tom, uh, Tomonaga to be in America. The world needs it. America needs it. I've heard some interesting possibilities for Nebraska ball as well. I don't, I'm not enough to to say on the pod, but I've heard some. There might be some good players coming into town in Lincoln. Uh, if they love- could add to him. I would love to. I'm a big Nebraska fan. As much as Iowa people from Iowa hate Nebraska, I'm a big Nebraska basketball fan. I love Hoiberg. I love the program. The school, dude. Man, I, I like the facilities are unreal. Oh yeah, they're incredible. They're incredible. incredible. Yeah. I. Uh, I don't know why anyone would ever feel threatened by Nebraska ball. Like if you, it's one thing to hate Nebraska football, but like Nebraska basketball, come on, man. Yeah. They're the only power five team that doesn't have a win in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And you have like one of the most liked basketball coaches to ever come through college. If Nebraska could make the NCAA tournament and win one game, they would be America's team. That'd be my team. I'd be all in, but no, I have heard heard there's some really good players that are looking at going to Nebraska. So, uh, as, and I think, as the portal continues to open up, I think they're going to continue to be active. Um, USC, Texas A&M, Texas. See, I don't know how you can have Texas here um, when I guess they have a pretty good recruiting class, but it's like you have to expect Arterior Morris to make a big leap. Tyrese Hunter is testing the NBA draft. I think Dylan DeSue will probably test the draft. Like that team could be completely different. And that's what my big problem is with these way too early rankings. Now we have no idea how many of these guys are even going to be on these teams. Yeah. Half these rosters aren't, aren't even close to being filled. We're just, we're just throwing, we're picking our favorite mascots right now. making it a top 25. I should come out with a way too early top 25 and just put Iowa state at the top. <laughs> Non-biased Jared Stansberry top 25. Iowa State number one. <laughs> Iowa State number one. Nebraska basketball number two. Off of my speculative, uh, off my speculation that I am throwing out there without any names whatsoever. I'll say I just heard that Nebraska getting some good players. I'm putting them number two. <laughs> I have some inside sources. I have inside sources that Nebraska is going to land at least one good basketball player. Shit. I hope they do. Everybody's in trouble. I, we can talk about that. You and me can talk about it. I'm not going to talk about it after or, uh, on the podcast yet. It, I think that'll come out here before too long. Uh, North Carolina is number 19. What a fall for the Tar Heels, but at least they're back in the top 25 after missing the tournament. Uh, I would imagine that 
uh, Armando Baycott was willing to pack Caleb Love's bags for him in order to get him into the transfer portal. RJ Davis is coming back. But if I was Armando, I would be going to Hubert Davis and I would say, if you don't get me at least two mm-hmm. guards who can pass me the fucking ball, then I'm leaving. <laughs> I mean, they be they should be able to get whoever they want. It's North Carolina, man. Like, you would I think. Would be, I would be shocked. Like, the thing is, I, I need to check what the guards are in the transfer portal. I haven't really looked yet. I know the the Oral Roberts guard is is in the portal, but I don't think Max he's. Max Smith, yeah. Yeah, I don't think he's a good enough. I'm not going to say that he's good enough, but I don't think that's probably what North Carolina is looking for. Yeah, Max Acemus is in there. LJ Cryer from Baylor, who's a career, mm. I think, 42% three-point shooter is in there. Uh, he is going to garner, I think, big money from someone. Yeah. North Carolina would probably be a pretty uh, a pretty solid type of landing spot for someone like him. Speaking of Baylor, they are a top-20 team. They don't return much from this year's team. That feels like a very uh, we-believe-in-Scott-Drew type of situation. Uh, Gonzaga is just barely in the top 25. San Diego State. Top is 22, Tennessee, St. Mary's, UCLA. Iowa State is in the field of 68s, top 25 at 21, and they are in CBS's at 23. But again, Iowa State has four freshmen and like a handful of guys that are returning that are all really good role players, and then they need to get people in the portal. So it's hard. Like it would be hard for me to sit here and say, yeah, Iowa State's a bona fide top 25 team at this point. Yeah, I mean, I just any any top twenty five. We are you already talked about it. It's just irrelevant right now. It just is uh, the portal is fun, but at the same time, it's like we just have no idea what, like what these teams are going to be for another couple think, of weeks now. I think that's what makes it so great, though. You just have no clue. It'll be it's going to be like the first week of September, and you and I are going to be like, all right, we should probably figure out who is actually on some of these teams. <laughs> it's like because you only get them as trickle ins, you know. So like every once in a while, you'll be like, oh, this guy's going to North Carolina. Okay, we know who North Carolina's team kind of is, and then you think about it then, but you only think about the individual pieces, not the actual team. And then it's like you get to September, you're like, this is the team. This is a good team. This yeah. is a team I don't think will be good. You know, yeah, right. it just takes forever to be able to do those things. You can't do it in April like we used yep. to be able to. Uh, all right, this weekend coming up the Masters. I have no appetite whatsoever oh. for the Masters unless Tiger Woods is in contention. Do you Dude, think that Tiger Woods will be in contention so that yes. I should care about the Masters? Yes, yes. It's the fucking Masters. The fact you're not. You told me before the show, you said word for word, I'm not that big of a fan of the Masters. And I almost dropped that out of my seat and started punching my myself in the face. <laughs> I am disgusted of you. The Masters should be, is a holiday. First of all, Easter. It's Easter Sunday coming up. One of the Easter best Sunday? holidays. Yeah. Yeah. One of the best holidays there is. And the Masters are on it. It's it's a it, it's it's a religious, there's two religious holidays. This this weekend, the Masters and Easter, and, and how Friday. dare and how dare you talk dirty <laughs> about the Masters? I didn't even talk dirty about the Masters. I just said that if Tiger's not in the in the mix, I don't care. I care about Tiger. I want to root for Tiger. I don't want to root for all those other guys. Zach Johnson, Iowa guy. You I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll congratulate Zach Johnson if he wins, but I don't know. Like, I'm not going to be like locked into it. You know, I'm going to be locked in. You need to, I, I need to get you, we need to go to a golf event and you'll, your whole life will change. I'm, I promise you, if we go to a golf, a PGA tour event, you're, you'll have the greatest time of your life. Oh, I'm sure I would because I'd probably be slamming, slamming beers and eating $8 
pimento cheese sandwiches. I mean, I'm just saying it, it's of all the sporting events I've been to, a PGA Tour event's my favorite. If Tiger's there, I'm there. Perfect. If Tiger's not there, I'm not going. I don't care. Watching Tiger in person, I, I, I had something a little brewing downstairs. I'm just saying. <laughs> and it was brewing hard. It was brewing it, hard. It moved. It moved. It moved. It moved who's, quite a bit. Who's your pick to win the tournament then? Tiger. It's always Tiger. Is, is it really Tiger? Tiger and Zach Johnson. Those are my two guys. <laughs> So you don't have any like genuine analysis of like, hey, looking at this guy. It's analysis. just Tiger or Zach Johnson. You want no, you, all right? Two former Masters champions. Tiger just won a few years back. He is arguably one of the greatest athletes of all time. Zach Johnson is an Iowa guy, big friend of mine. I don't need guy. their credentials to understand why you're cheering for them. I just I thought maybe you wanted to like actually talk about some guys that were like. You know, you want to say, hey, Dustin Johnson's got a good chance to win this weekend. I think Dustin Johnson's been shooting really well. It doesn't matter. It's the Masters. It doesn't matter how you played before. It doesn't matter what you did years back. Tiger. Uh, unless I mean, it's Tiger. Unless you're unless Tiger. It's Tiger and Zach Johnson. It does not matter. <laughs> unless it's my guys who have already won a, a combined six times. It doesn't matter what they've done in the past. I'm not even biased either. They're just, they're, they're, they're the best golfers on the field. I did watch Tiger uh, on Sports Center the other night. It said Tiger spoke uh, because now just any time that Tiger speaks is a big, mm. is a huge deal. I, I listened to what he said, and it and all I came away with thinking is, sounds like he's ready to win number six. That's all I hear. I don't know what else I need to like. What else do we need to know? All I'm saying is every time there's a picture of Tiger Woods on Twitter, there's a video of him. I sit in my room in the dark and just watch it on repeat for hours on end. That's how much I love the guy. Have you seen the Tiger documentary on HBO? Yes, I have. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. That's one of the best ones, I think, that's been yeah. come out in recent years. Yes. Another good one on HBO is the Andre the Giant one. That's actually a sneaky good I haven't one. Seen you see, that. Yeah. You want to talk about a guy who was a fucking dog? It, Andre the Giant was a dog. Yes. I haven't seen it. I need to see it. I don't know if you're a WWE guy. I'm not a WWE not. guy, but it, it's an interesting story. He could drink like 60 beers in one sitting. 60? Yeah. I have four. I'm about dead. <laughs> I'm real. You're also not, what, seven feet tall and weigh 400 pounds? That's true. Is that how big he was? Oh, yeah. Something like that. I mean, he was, he's big old, big, he's a big guy. Andre the Giant. He was seven foot four, 520 pounds. Okay, so that was way more than what you, you just said. Yeah, yeah. So four more inches and another hundred twenty pounds. Can you imagine being a half a ton? No, I mean he hardly was able to live like real life. You know, it's honestly kind of sad. It's just a sad story. I don't know his story, so I feel bad. Well, now. I highly recommend to anybody who has not watched that documentary from like five years ago. They should go back and watch it, including you. I think I think the bigger story is you should watch the Tiger documentary first. Yeah. Because the Masters is the greatest weekend of all sports. Better than the first weekend in the NCAA tournament. Yes. Yes. I don't know about that. I don't know. Masters about that. is the greatest sporting event in all of sports. It is not close. Maybe the be the best event of all time, like not even counting concerts, everything. 
you how do you have you been to the masters no so just from watching tv you've been able to gather that yes dude they take your phones do you, do you know all the little rules yeah about yeah they them? take your phone yeah you can't yeah talking about being in the moment what event can you go to where there's not a single phone in sight nowadays name one i'll wait a play a play or like a musical you can't film a musical you can't have your phone out of the musical i doubt that no it's true like you can't that's that's bad theater etiquette okay no offense to the musicals or plays but i'm i'm still picking the masters i don't, I don't give a fuck uh, clearly you've never seen the lion king and on broadway i guess i do want to see uh oh was, can't remember the play it was a musical damn Never mind. <laughs> Supposedly it was really good. What? Hamilton? Yes. It's the Hamilton. Yes. Is it not good? No, it is. It's just like the most stereotypical play for anybody to want to see in oh, well, okay. 2023. Well, that's why it we're just, talking about the masters here. Yeah. Sorry. But this, I mean, this is my appetite for the masters. I have a higher appetite for Hamilton than I do for the masters. There's unless no Tiger, way. Just... Unless Tiger's in contention. Oh my gosh. Okay, to be fair though, unless Tiger and Zach aren't in contention, I might I might not watch the Masters. Now. <laughs> if they were to miss the cut, you're not tuning in for the weekend. I'm not. Worst sporting event of all time. <laughs> not even close. Oh, jeez. All right. Did you have a video you wanted to show me and then we'll sign off? Oh, yeah. We forgot to share this before while we are talking about LSU and Iowa. So those of you that are watching on YouTube, there's a video circling around that went viral of the locker room in LSU before the game in the locker room of Iowa during a practice or something. And it is, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Are right, you ready? Yep. I'm ready. <laughs> Jeez. I already know what's going to happen here. Okay, so that was the Iowa video. And then this is a different story over here. Oh, jeez. Yeah, not quite the same vibe. Not quite the same vibe. Which party do you want to go to? I don't know. I would rather go to that one, frankly. The high school musical party, I think I'm good on. So the guy, the guy that tweeted this, I mean, this got like 150,000 likes on Twitter. This guy says, I can't get over Iowa and LSU facing each other in the Women's National Championship game, dot, 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 a tale of two cultures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it certainly, uh, it certainly was. It was quite the, it was quite the game. Uh, they need to play again, though. They need yeah. to play again next year. 
I think just the like the coaching the coaching dynamic of the two too, like Lisa Bluter and um, how do you, is it Mulkey? Mulkey? Yeah, Kim Mulkey. I don't know that they could be two two more opposite ends of the spectrum. So funny. Yeah, one who is very understated and very uh, calm, and then another who is not those things. Can we just get one technical on Mulkey though? That's all I ask. <laughs> just one. Just one. Just one. Get her off the floor, please. Unbelievable. Oh yeah, what a tough scene. All right, man. You got anything else you want to touch on? I think we're good. I think we're good too. We'll uh, talk to you guys again soon. Be back here in the Channel Seed Studios next week. Peace. Iowa everywhere.